User Grindstaff Publishing Audio Files. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining me on the first behind-the-scenes um, episode of this podcast. So hopefully you listened to the uh, the chapter one of Room to Roam just posted. I uh, Part of the thing that makes this podcast hopefully stand out amongst other ones is to uh, you know have the podcast or have the audio book go first and then afterwards kind of dissect it and talk about the writing and just different parts of it that I didn't have time to explain when writing the book. The first thing that um, hopefully comes to mind really quick is, um, is the linear fashion of this book. There's no, there's no real flashbacks. There's no real you know, talking outside of the story. It's just really going from point A to point B and then down, down, down until you get to Z, and that's the end of the book. So I didn't want to have any kind of real you know, complex situation. This is my first book, so I wanted to go pretty linear. Um, I wanted to go really quick. Um, I'm sure you could tell by now that I'm a fast talker. Um, I try really hard to slow down for this especially, but in my normal life, I'm a very fast talker. I, I think really fast, I talk really fast. Um, so that hopefully comes out really clear in everything I do. Um, so when writing this book, I wanted it to be a very, very fast-paced um, read. I wanted every, you know, every paragraph to end, and the next one begin, just almost out of breath, like just go, 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 go. Um, a major inspiration for that style of writing was um, Brett Easton Ellis's uh, Rules of Attraction. So if you've never seen that movie, which maybe many of you have not, um, it's a really, really good movie. Um, the opening scene's really rough, but once you get past that, you can kind of it, it's pretty much downhill from there. Um, but basically what it is, is, uh, it's, it's set in the nineties. It's very much a nineties feeling movie. And so, um, Brett Easton Ellis is the author of American Psycho just for reference. And he, uh, just the entire movie has like that frantic pace. And there's a part in the movie that's towards the end where one of the guys just got back from his trip in Europe, which was very debaucherous and very, very quick paced. And so when he's, when he's saying that, it just goes really, really, really quick. And um, just like the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And it just, it's almost, you know, you just, when he's done with it, you're like, oh, wow, that's, that's a lot. Um, and so without visuals, I, I wanted that to be the entire pace of the entire book. And so I wanted to have that frantic, that explosive, you know, writing, 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 writing. And so it really worked out for my first book because that's how I think anyway. And so when I'm telling a story, especially like that, where there's a whole lot, a book to get through, um, you know, I, I want the reader to be in that moment, like I'm sitting right there telling you, but then this happened and then this happened and this happened. So I wanted it to be like, like that. And so for this first book it was really nice to just, just basically write how I think go, you know, balls to the walls and just really write fast. Um, a couple of things that I didn't have a whole lot of time to uh to really discuss and this is the platform to do that um the first thing is the idea of the taking the longer route the windier route um 
that is part that's like one of the main parts of the entire book if, if the first part probably the first theme is you know that that growth of a person that you know going from one spot and then ending up in a different different spot and then seeing that arc of a person and so that's a you know that's basic you know writing 101 of a character but um that happened to me in real life and i wanted to really really expose that with the slow travel um that that is throughout this entire book basically it's not about getting from a to b it's about all that happens between that and so yeah, I could have went from my grandmother's house in southeastern Washington. I could have gotten a flight. You know, I could have been in SeaTac in Seattle. And then I could have been to Iceland, you know, really, really quick. But instead, I took, you know, two days to get from Pasco, Washington, along along the Columbia River Gorge, which I had never done by train, um, and then got to Portland, you know, had that experience of like trying to figure out you know, how, how do I maneuver between, you know, this ticket, that ticket, the people. And it, it was just kind of like a microcosm of what I was going to, going to experience literally every single day of that three-month trip. And um, it was just so nice to go from along the Columbia River Gorge, which I had, you know, driven on and been driven on um, for, you know, all my life by car. But to see it from a, a rocking, rumbling train was was next level beautiful. Plus, it had that really awesome feel of like this is a is this an adventure? This is an old school adventure and expedition. Um, and plus, not to mention mention um, my girlfriend now wife had given me this awesome um, you know journal notebook that I kind of had to put together. And so it wasn't just about like okay here's this notebook there you go. It was like there is additions and she's super thoughtful. So there were different pens, there were different like you know things going in, into it, and so. I got to, you know, really use that journal, got to feel it, got to carry it around. It was heavy. And so there's a lot of like just feels with that. So I got to, you know, sleep on the train for a little bit. I got to see trained people. I got to get up and walk around and feel the rocking and just look out at that beautiful dawn and just see things I never saw before in that way. Going to Portland, like I said, the mishmash of people I met. Then Portland to Seattle was really cool because there was some kind of sporting event. I can't remember. It wasn't a football game, but it was something happening. People were really excited about that. Maybe soccer. And um, and so that was really cool going into going in, into Seattle and that really just, you know, frantic, like, oh my God, like now I'm doing this thing. And then um, I, I got dropped off at the depot and then I was really confused because I was like, well, I didn't put, I didn't think about that. So how do I get from the train depot basically downtown out to the airport. And I was like, oh my God, now what do I do? And so it made me think on my feet. I freaked out a little bit, um, but you know, luckily I had my cell phone with me. So I got to, I, I was okay, well, I'll, I'll just call, I'll call somebody, I'll call a, sh- a shuttle. And so then I, I got some kind of expensive shuttle that was advertised there and cost me like $40. Um, but it was, a, it was a nice lesson learned. So it was like, it was the beginning of that. And those like getting from point A to the very first point B, just getting to Seattle to the actual airport was, you know, it, it, it kind of gave me that taste of like, okay, this is big. I'm totally alone. I'm by myself. This is, this is a big deal. And hopefully I can just, you know, embrace that. And I can just use whatever I just learned in that mishmash and craziness of getting to the actual airport. And so then I got to the airport in SeaTac and I just had like three hours, I think, to just, you know, relax and, you know, kind of build it up and 
I wrote a blog that day and I was really into uh, a YouTuber who's still very much prevalent named Casey Neistat. And that was back when he was doing his daily vlogs. And so I had like, you know, I've been watching those and how he kind of filmed his day. And I wanted to have like, you know, between rules of attraction, that one probably three minute, five minute scene, that plus his daily vlogs, plus, you know, the numerous travel books that I love and on the road of, by Kerouac, of course, really got me into that mindset of, okay, well, I, I know I want to do this this way. I know I'm predisposed to being a fast thinker, a fast talker. And so they all kind of facilitate that in their own ways. And so just bring them all together. And then I was just literally at the starting line. I was, I was waiting for my, you know, my first red eye flight, the first time I'd ever have to go across country and really get to do that, that real experience of adventure. So writing that blog that day, um, was just like the first, like looking back at it really the first time I, I actually was going to write a book about it because there I was, you know, sitting, sitting in the airport, waiting at the starting line, just ready to go. Another part that I think is uh, worthwhile to mention was that when, um, when Reed, um, went to Europe before me, he went about 24 hours before me. So he, so he, you know, got there earlier and it was really cool because he, he had been to Europe before and, um, he had gone a couple times, I think, with his girlfriend to Germany and, and looks, visited some castles. And then his dad and him went to a few places in Europe before that. So he had gone to Europe before. So he had gotten that taste of like that Europe feel, how to do that traveling. You know, it was very different than what we ended up doing as a backpacker kind of duo. But he at least had gone to Europe. He kind of knew the train systems. He knew how to get around. So that was super helpful. He knew little tricks and tricks of the trade. And so when he got to Iceland, it was funny because he said, you know, once we got together and stuff, he said that he just had a great time because he got there. He, you know, walked, our hostel wasn't that far from downtown Reykjavik and he walked around, went to a cafe. He bought a super expensive, um, traditional, you know, Icelandic sheet wool made Icelandic sweater. And then he just totally got gouged. It ended up cost, costing him like the equivalent of like a couple hundred dollars for the sweater, but it was beautiful. And so he was having a great time. So. But like I say, at, I wrote at the end of that chapter, um, the biggest thing he did, and definitely I, I, would, uh, I would definitely say anyone tra- planning on traveling like this or going to any kind of hostels with friends, if someone is staggered, and definitely they're getting, the second person's getting there later, it is so, so nice if the person gets there first, that has any kind of experience or whatever, buys the bed for their friend coming. Because when you get there at two in the morning, and you're jet lagged and you haven't really slept that well and you're just like oh my god i'm in this new country it's super nice to have just walk up be like okay well this is my name oh the bed's ready and so you can go in um go with the plane the plane ride um was interesting when i went from jfk um on september 11th um which is really strange um but going from um from jfk to iceland and seeing the northern lights with that with a random New York girl that I, I, I didn't make up anything like that's what, that's what we talked about. It was very brief. You know, it's, it's interesting reading that cause I haven't read it for, you know, a few years, a couple years and how prevalent she is in that it makes it kind of seem like she'll come back in the future and we have this fling or whatever, but it doesn't, it's, it, it's real life. And if, if it had been a novel, like a fictional novel, then yeah, like maybe we would have came back and I would have found her and we would have been you know, madly traveling the world together. But what in, in reality, she was just this blip and 
there are so many, just so, so many experiences like that in this, this book and in real life and just going to hostels and meeting these people. And it's like, wow, this person is really cool and amazing. And it's like this explosion of friendship. And then it just goes away. And, and we, I, I never saw her again. So, but it was really cool because it was, um, it was interesting looking back at that because when thinking about writing this book, the, the blog that really got me thinking about writing a full book about it was Solo Woman Travelers. So I wrote that when I came back because it was after I had the experience. But it's interesting that the very first thing, really, the first in the first chapter that really stands out to me reading it back again is um, is how she is that person that just blew me away and how I just, it's so crazy to think that people, anyone, not just women, but anyone, me included, can just be like, you know what, I want to do this crazy adventure and it there you go, you can do it. And so she was a really interesting person that I, I met so briefly and just got so inspired by that, you know, if if this person can do it, this this young person that was, you know, tired of her way of life and she just needed a break and just wanted to get out and do something crazy, then, you know, just, you can just do it. And so that was really cool. And it was interesting to, to read this back and to get like that. Um, I, I, I can really feel that um, coming through being like, wow, this girl is just here and she's I met her by complete happenstance but she really had a lasting impression and even if I close my eyes now I can I can completely see who she is and I you know of course wish her the best and it's crazy to think that was five years ago so you know who knows who knows what happened to her but um hopefully she completed the golden road and you know she drove around Iceland and camped and had fun and went back and had a you know great life and continues to have a great life um the Northern Lights um, are something that are, you know, that's Iceland's, you know, calling card is, are the Northern Lights or any, anybody really above a certain latitude. Um, but it was so interesting because before that, in 2011, I had fish in Alaska. And whenever I say that, people are always like, oh my God, that's so crazy. How, how, how hard was it? The next question is like, you know, was it like deadliest catch? And then very quickly in that first little bit is, did you see the Northern Lights? And it's funny because I didn't, because I was, I was only, I was in Southeast, uh, Southeast Alaska. And so I was out of Sitka. And so I never got anywhere close to being high enough to see the Northern Lights, even though I was there, um, you know, when, when they would have been beautiful up in Fairbanks or higher. And so that was one of the things that Michael and I, or Reed in the book, um, were talking about. So, uh, so prevalently before we went on the trip is that this is going to be really cool because we're going to see the Northern Lights and how exciting it's going to be. And so I just got so spoiled that I saw them so clearly around Greenland and up in the sky and they were dancing and shimmering and bright green and just neon. So beautiful. And then, you know, and then I, um, Michael and I, we were traveling along and stuff and, and it was so strange to think that he had never, he had never seen them. And, um, and I saw them before I even set foot in Scandinavia. So it was so interesting how people, even people that spent, you know, you know, a few days in Iceland, like I say in the book, even they didn't see the Northern Lights. So it's not a, not a guaranteed thing. It's not like it's just like every night is a Northern Lights show, and you know, different parts, different times of the year, and everything is so different. So, um, yeah, it, it's just so so cool to think that it's not just a guaranteed thing that you can just oh, they're just always gonna be there. Um, so and it, and interestingly, um, Michael didn't even see the Northern Lights. I don't think until maybe towards the end of Iceland. So like, 
I think we say this really, really interesting hostel in the middle of nowhere, which is saying something in Iceland um, on, our, on our on our last day, second to last day there. We, we were in Iceland for three days. So maybe the second day of, of, of uh, that I was there, um, we saw him a little bit, but not really. And I don't, I don't even think he saw a really clear Northern Lights thing. Like I, I think it's one of those things where it's like, well, we can kind of see it through the trees, but not really. And so I'm not even, I have to ask him if he ever really saw the true Northern Lights. But regardless, um, that's something that always comes up whenever I talk about Scandinavia and people will always ask that question. Like, oh, did you see the Northern Lights? And, and I, I feel privileged to say that, yeah, I saw him then. And I saw him when I came back to Iceland later in the year um, in December. So I saw him in September and, um, I don't think I saw him anywhere else in Scandinavia, actually. Um, I think it was only in Iceland both times. So I got really lucky and I saw him from, you know, the water, from the air and from the, from the land. So it was, it was really lucky that I saw him in three different ways. Um, last story, um, that I think is really interesting and maybe the, my favorite part and maybe the thing that sticks with me the most is, um, once I landed in Iceland, how, uh, how crazy that was because I was with that girl, um, just briefly. And then she took off and I, I got on the bus and then those, those guys, which must've been like a football or not a football team, maybe a soccer team or something like that. Some kind of, some kind of athletic team got on the bus and they were just really just going crazy in Icelandic. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm, I'm amongst these people, but it's also two o'clock. So I don't really care, but I have to embrace this stuff. And it was just such a cluster. And then I, uh, you know, I got to the hostel and you know, I, I, I talked to the lady and then this hostel was so cool. It was definitely planned out by Michael and it was just very Michael feeling almost like a Wes Anderson hostel thing. And, um, the, my just impossibly big backpack that weighed a ton, maybe half a ton. Um, but, uh, it, it's just so crazy looking back and like looking at how just stupid I was absolutely stupid that I, that I tr- planned that trip like that, like this gigantic hiking backpack that's built to like, you know, have everything you would ever need to survive in the outback, you know, and, and like this, the backwoods somewhere. And yet I, I thought, oh, you know what, this would be really important to have on a freaking Europe vacation. Come on. Or whatever, vacation, adventure, expedition, whatever you want to call it. It was a vacation. Um, and just like, what, what an idiot, what an idiot I was. And, um, so I was like groggy. I barely knew what I was doing. This lady was trying to be nice, but she was basically asleep and my locker was far too small and I climbed the stairs and like, just like, holy shit, I just wanted to do nothing but lay in bed and just, just sleep or just not do what I'm doing. And, um, and then I opened the door and everyone's snoring and the stinks in there and people are just like, what the, just turn the light off, dude. And I came in and I clank and I bang around and people wake up and I just, I lay there and I'm like, fuck, I made it. I finally am here. And I was trying to be present. I was trying to be in the moment. I was jet lagged. I was tired. I was exhausted. And it took months to get to that point. And it took everything in me to be like, be in the moment. Be in the moment. You're in Iceland. Don't be a dick. And it just was like, I don't care. I just want to sleep. And then the next morning I wake up and it's like, oh my God, I'm in Iceland. And I got on the stairs and there's Michael with coffee and be like, and we hug and we're like, Oh my God, we're together. It's actually happened. And we're going to do this thing. And it was just amazing. So it's kind of a weird, weird thing. I'm, there's a lot of stuff, stuff in my head, but I don't want to go through the entire book 
you know, this is going to be like three times longer than an actual audiobook chapter. But I hope as things go on and as, as how things kind of just keep on progressing with the book and these, these, uh, these chapters kind of flow out, um, I do want to do this. And if there's any kind of weird or unique thing I did writing, um, that's like, oh, that that's kind of sounds weird or that's different. Um, I kind of want to pick at it. Um, I, I don't really know how I want this to go. This is definitely an experiment. And I, I want this behind the scenes thing to go after every chapter, every book. So there'll be this one and then, you know, chasing the kingfish after this. So um, maybe just a bunch of stories. I don't know. I, I like to talk. Hopefully you guys like to listen. I assume so since you're listening to this so far. Um, and uh, I wish there's more of an interaction because I, I like doing this. You know, I, I, I kind of imagine people out you know, away from behind the microphone and I'm just talking to them like I would with my, my normal friends. So hopefully this works out. Um, I'll, I'll try to give a better, uh, you know, layout, but um, yeah, I'll, I'll play with it. Maybe I'll, I, I like the half, the half, um, half writing talk, you know, oh, this, this is, how, I wrote this because I'm, I'm a fast thinker. I like to kind of just write quickly. Um, so half, half that and then half like, no, you know, like, this weird, weird stuff happens. And, you know, this is at my actual life and it's not made up. So yeah. Anyway, thanks for, uh, keeping with it. Uh, I appreciate it sincerely. Um, yeah. Thank you so much.